Join us, perhaps you may want to listen to a Bump Shop story. New and vintage merch available at BumpShopBackroom.com. BumpShopBackroom.com. Real quick, I just realized it when I listened back to the intro. There is a cricket in my garage, or a gang of crickets, and you can hear them. You're about to hear them right now. You're probably already hearing them because I'm still in the garage. God damn it. BumpShopBackroom.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to another episode of the Bump Shop Diaries. That's right. I got the 12-gauge. I put in the bird shot. I even put the plug in. Just in case Mr. Johnny Green Jeans came to check me out, I waited for one of them Canadian gooseries to fill the sky, and I... I pulled it out of the sky, and I plucked the feathers, and I tied them to a stick, and I used that to dust off this microphone that I haven't used in far too long. That's right, the microphone was covered in dust, and then I had to wait for goose season to open so I could figure out how to get the dust off of it. Uh, But yeah, this episode we're about to get into, I actually, I recorded it probably a month, month and a half ago. I just never, you know... Never put the, uh, the 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 flake on it, if you will. Never put that uh, the the sparkles, the sporkles, the glitter on it. Never uh, doped it up, you know. Never gave it the riz, as the kids would say. But that's done now, and you're listening to it. But if you want to listen to a more consistent podcast, check out Rob the Crazy Gentleman. He drops one every week, every Friday. Or every Wednesday. No, this one comes out on Wednesdays usually. I don't know when he puts his out, but it is every week. He's got it on the YouTubes. He's got it wherever you listen to podcasts. He interviews some pretty cool people. It's definitely worth checking out. Uh, If you've been listening to this podcast from the beginning, it did start as talking to people and doing the interview style, having the conversations. And I do enjoy doing that, but uh, I've switched it up a little bit, and it's more just for entertainment, and that's kind of just so I can record whenever I want to. You know, when you're dealing with having to set up conversations with people, you gotta you gotta have the free time to do it. And this summer has been fucking crazy. I've been riding motorcycles. I've been teaching kids how to ride dirt bikes and explaining clutches and wheelies and burnouts and the whole, all of it, you know. It's been a blast. It's It's been a fun summer. It's been busy. And the last couple weekends in Michigan, uh, last weekend was early doe season. The weekend before was youth hunt. So I had the youngest out trying to, trying to bag him a deer and uh and that was a lot of fun um what else we got i guess if you want updates from me you can uh i was on the low life chopper podcast like a month ago or a month and a half ago is after i got back from laconia and got to actually see all those dudes with my own actual eyeballs um actually met rob for the first time uh loctite fat man all the dudes that you know of from that whole East Coast area, they're all pretty cool fucking people. It was it was fun. It was a fun time. Laconia was cool. Um, I mean, you can hear me talk about it on the Low Life Chopper podcast, but 
Like we rode the kank and that was fun, but our trip home going through the back way through New Hampshire and through Vermont, Vermont's fucking dope. I would definitely go back to Vermont and ride around. That place seemed cool. Uh, we stayed at an absolutely insane campground in New York. And I don't mean because it was awesome. It was kind of cool because it was nestled in between like two mountains or hills or, um, you know, basically tree stands for Native Americans back in the day to kill pilgrims. Um, but the people there, <laughs> the people there were, it was ridiculous. It it was just one of them things, man. The road always provides, and it also has a way of, uh, it'll play tricks on you. It'll play jokes on you, and you and your, your homies or whoever you're traveling with will be cracking up around campfires. That's just, that's just what it is. Um, but yeah, so, I don't know, man. Check out the website, bumpshopbackroom.com. I know. The designs haven't changed. You haven't added anything. I haven't done much with it. and I'm aware of that. I've been gathering things to add to it. And hopefully for October, we'll have some new drops up in there. And uh, until then, just check it out. Check out the Instagram. Um, I have fun with the Instagram doing doing little memes, getting your ha ha's and your hee he's in and uh that's been fun. Other than that, man, just gearing up for uh, about to be bow season here. Uh if you got a front end that you want to get rid of for cheap or not cheap because it's quality and it's worth what you want, let me know. I'd like to grab one of them northern springers. I just haven't pulled the trigger on it. Um but if you got a girder, something, hit me up. Let me know what you got. I'm trying to find one. Trying to get this frame together, make it a roller, and, uh, you know, it's coming up on build season. You know, after the hunting season is the building season, then it rolls into the riding season. You know how it goes. I don't got to explain the seasons. You've heard me say it a million times, but... uh So this episode coming up that you're about to get into is called Southern Hospitality. And it was penned in 1975 by a guy they called Tinker. And uh, without further ado, I don't know what that means. Is that French? I'm not sure. But anyway, let's get into it. It's so strange but appealing. Welcome to the Bump Shop Diaries. Join us, perhaps you may want to listen to a Bump Shop story. As he puffed on his evening joint, Tink glanced across his third-story room at his clock, grimacing as he saw that it was past three. Fucking speed. Looking out the greasy window above his bed, he noticed that the local heat was on its usual across-the-street third-shift beat, straining, no doubt, for a whiff of the killer weed in order to protect the citizens better. As he snubbed out his joint, he crawled into bed, secure in the knowledge that his two 74s chained below in the parking lot of the Dixie Drive-In were under the careful scrutiny of the city's finest morning 
Sleep was over all too soon, sort of like first gear. Jerry, the other occupant of the apartment in question, ambled into Tink's room puffing on his morning joint, eating cereal and scarfing up a beer simultaneously. Low shit for brains, he mumbled, somewhere twixt a snort, a scarf, and a crunch. Jesus shit, exclaimed Tink, wondering as he rolled over how come this human disposal never gained any weight. Well, fucking Tim's it? Almost noon, if that's what you want to know. We gonna ride over and see Porky? Yeah, nodded Tink. Soon's I get dressed. Whereupon he rolled out of bed and pulled on his jeans, which could have easily saved his ass were he to run a little short of engine juice on a country road. Safety first. As he walked out onto the balcony overlooking the drive-in, Tink yawned and stretched, looking out over the street. Busy buildings full of tranquilized citizens. The two motors shone brightly in the back from below like a chick's face when she dips. He fondly recalled the night some jerk had decided to move up on his Harley and had cut the wire which scaled the side of the building, thinking he could safely proceed with the removal of the aforementioned motors. Since the wire which scaled the side of the building didn't really do a damned thing and the real alarm setup was entirely underground, the dude was mildly disturbed to see Jerry run butt-naked out onto the balcony, whence he commenced to pump several rounds of buckshot at the swiftly receding ass. When'd you make it in, man? Asked Jerry as he walked into the May sunshine smoking his dessert. About two. Went over and talked to Deke and picked up on that red-headed nymph we met. How was it? tight. My man tight. After the usual morning pleasantries, you know, the stuff you rap about so you know you didn't get ruined enough to forget your vocabulary, what's it is it? The pair made their way down the flights of stairs to the street. Jerry fiddled with the lock and chain and then both proceeded to inspect things as if they hadn't built them. One kick, two... Jerry's knuckles sprang to reluctant life, spitting out the night's accumulation of shit. Tink's pan belched out a blue flame and followed suit. A minute for the heart to warm up and the two chrome sculptures lumbered out into the wonderful world of asphalt and assholes, as Animal once said. Two lights east and a right turn saw our heroes rumbling along the west side bypass and holding the limit as they headed for beautiful suburbia with its station wagons, pot patches, and other assorted nifties. Ten minutes of heavy cruising saw them at their destination. The orange-black shovelhead in the driveway was sufficient testimonial as to the whereabouts of the dude they sought. As the roar subsided, the front door opened and Porky stumbled forth, a tangle of black curly hair blowing about him, making him look like a madman as he toked on his dessert. He nazzed breakfast around while various glances were cast around at the different machines, as is common amongst us civilized people. The three exchanged greetings and walked towards the house. While up and down the street, the neighbors eyed the situation from between their Venetian blinds and frantically phoned each other to confirm the date of the next KKK meeting. 
Inside the house, the usual bedlam. Porky's old lady chasing kids all over. Toys and bike parts scattered everywhere. How in the fuck you ever get any sleep around here? Asked Tank, doing his best to be heard above the din. So who sleeps? Chuckled his kid chasing chick on her 32nd lap around the living room. What do you say we get down to business, Pork? Sniffed Jerry, who mentally put marriage and two bangers in the same category. As Porky lit another joint, Jerry counted out a bill for the next week's stash. When the joint went out, Porky disappeared momentarily, only to return with yet another joint and a small brown parcel, which he handed to Tink, who nodded. Good stuff? Guaranteed. Only finest kind authentic treated Tibetan ceremonial trip weed. Oh, bullshit. Laughed Tink, stashing the goods beneath his jacket. You coming to the party tonight? Asked Jerry as he struggled to open a beer can. Motherfucking shit. What fucking pervert designed this bastard beer can? How the hell do they expect you to open the damn thing if the fucking ring comes off? I'll get it fart. Offered Porky and promptly whipped out his 38, blowing three quarters of the top off before Jerry could think to veil. Thanks! Muttered Jerry as his two buddies hysterically rolled on the floor. A few minutes more of wasted conversation and planning for the evening's bash and the three left the house. Jerry and Porky headed for the local Harley shop and Tink headed for the nearest authorized stash place. As the trio went on about their business across town, Deke and Animal were lighting up their breakfast. Deke and Animal were kind of a strange pair. Deke was a small, sharp-looking dude with glasses and a bushy beard. As for Animal, go dig up your aunt's encyclopedia and look up Grizzly Bear. They stumbled around with the old morning groggles, preparing to meet Jerry and Porky at the shop. This morning's backroom discussion was to center around a subject dear to all. Party tonight. Afternoon. A very important thing that you should be made aware of at this point in the story is that there's three kinds of lowlife here in the South. Spades, hippies, and bikers. If you happen to fall into one of these categories, tough shit. All three and you can bet there's a warrant out on your ass. Anyway, back at the Royal Third Floor Palladium, with the aforementioned persons present, things started cooking. Plans were made for a midnight run to the local romance and place atop a nearby mountain. Raiding parties were sent to the local brewery and Porky attempted to make the Guinness Book of World Records by rolling no less than a gross of joints in about an hour. Bikes, Snatch, and Suds arrived all afternoon as the local boys made it into town for the first big bash of the summer. By 7 o'clock, the place was humming. Everywhere in the apartment, there were sounds of laughter and moans and, well, you know... Jerry rolled the sportster he was building out onto the balcony and fired it up. Much to the delight of the rednecks gathered below in the usual Friday night, Dixie drive-in, beer-drinking, and engine-revving contest, the fuzz, strangely enough, were nowhere in sight. Nobody was paying attention to the intermittent cranking of bikes below in the parking lot, 
And every now and then, some stud would talk one of the local wenches in the drive-in parking lot into taking a little spin. Animal had just pulled in for about the second time that evening when all hell broke loose. As he entered the apartment, he walked towards the balcony, a contended look on his face which made several of those present wonder exactly where had he just been. As Tink entered the room, which also happened to be the room with the entrance to the balcony, he was bowled over by 265 pounds of fast-moving meat. Get your ass off of that motor! Yelled Animal from somewhere around the second flight of stairs. What the hell? Yelled Jerry as he rushed into Tink's room and out onto the balcony, jumping over the dazed Tink to do so. From his perch above the parking lot, he stared open-mouthed at Animal's pan veering out of the Dixie drive-in and down the road, obviously not driven by its owner, who was running swiftly some 20 feet behind it with one hellacious string of curses floating along behind him. "'Jesus Christ!' hollered Jerry loudly enough to be heard in the next county. "'Somebody's burned Animal's bike!' If you've ever seen one of those old sack films where all the fighter pilots come pouring out of the barracks when the alert sounds, you got a pretty good idea what happened to the party. At least 25 dudes were kicking and cussing as a stream of motors poured out onto the street in the same direction taken by the pilfered pan. Jerry was hot in the lead and nobody was far behind. Tink slowed and took on Animal, whose lack of wind didn't deter him from voicing the misery which was to befall the thief. The chase led the enraged group out of town on the main westbound thoroughfare some mile and a half behind the taillight of the stolen bike, which was no slack mover. At the city limit, Deke went down, his triumph striking a goodly-sized dog that has timed his street crossing poorly. A pair of motors dropped back to assist while the main pack bound for vengeance forged on with added zeal. Jerry and Porky having the two strongest bikes in the group, 45 were slowly closing the gap between the chasers and the chased. The pair could make out the lines of their friend's motor as it turned sharply up the road which led to the local sporty car heaven. A five-mile stretch of mountain road which was considered risky at 35 in the daylight. By now, only three bikes were after the stolen vehicle. Jerry's, Porky's, and a down-home dude named Floyd with a hot sportster. Animals 80-incher proving too much for the average street machine to follow. Shit! Thought Jerry. He could have at least picked a slower motor... The group was seven or eight miles from the start of the chase and it was getting tricky trying to straighten out the more hairy curves. As the crest of the mountain loomed in the beam of the headlights, Jerry thought he heard a sound ahead. Hot damn! Maybe the little motherfuckers run out of gas or such! A sorry sight met the tired eyes as the top of the hill gave view to a half mile of downsloping road. A huge bonfire some hundred yards away slowed the group down quickly. Jerry slid to a halt and surveyed the scene, as did Porky and Floyd. 
A late-night highway patrol road check had been the last leg of the journey for the thief. Animal's motor, or rather the remains of it, were embedded in the side of a car, both burning fiercely. Scant feet away lay a badly broken figure, the charred uniform clearly recognizable. Floyd pointed silently a dozen yards further up the road. Another figure. He walked slowly to where it lay and bent down. He remained only a moment and stood up. Jerry was puzzled as he saw an unmistakable look of grief in Floyd's face. He walked over to where his friend stood and gazed down at the bloody corpse of what had been the cutest little blonde chick at the party. God! moaned Jerry as he turned away. She asked me three times if she could drive me around the block. Said her daddy was a bike heat and taught her how to ride. That he did. Came Porky's strained voice from behind. Shit! We better beat feet, man! Said Floyd, pulling Jerry toward the silent motors. As the trio mounted up and headed back toward the apartment, the only sound on the mountain other than the receding roar was the crackling of flames. Vintage merch available at bumshopbackroom.com. Bumshopbackroom.com.